0: When he buys batting gloves, does he have to buy both of them? Just get the left-handed. Oh, because he only has one. (laughs) (laughs) Why is it buying batting gloves and then throwing one away?
1: Welcome back to Royals Weekly. I am your host, Marcus Mead, and joining me is always a man who keeps all his nuclear secrets in a deputy dog lunchbox buried in his backyard, my brother
0: Mike. I got more secrets than that, too. And I got a $6 million man action figure, and I got some incriminating photos of you in there. So, yeah, I don't think so. I don't think so, (laughs) government. You're getting my secrets.
1: yeah that's it's fort knox in mike's backyard back there those incriminating photos you have of me i i don't think are going to be as damning as you would imagine most people have a pretty low opinion of me anyway and so i don't know what those photos are going to do for you You yeah maybe someday we'll find out huh huh (laughs) when i run when i run for office you will yeah you're going to drop a dime on me is what you're telling me yeah uh
0: if you run for office the campaign can withstand whatever i can put out there (laughs) if somebody puts you up there you will not be torn down yeah
1: that's true all i gotta do is get up um we're back this week after a week off i went on vacation i was playing we were planning on recording an episode for you last week but the wi-fi in my hotel was such garbage i was like why even try let's not even go down
0: that road it would just be a if nightmare you can't and a count hassle on for Super me, Eight Motel Wi Fi. I know, I know. I, I know. mean, what can you count on?
1: What has this country? This will be the platform I run on. We'll be like better Wi Fi in the Super Eights. <laughs> Chant it with me. Uh, yeah, no, uh, it was not good. It was actually a Holiday in. but um, yeah, it was not a great, great Wi Fi situation. So we decided to cut that. We'll come with you, but you are get a new episode this week. You know, lots of Royals content out there from other people. So uh, you know. One week without a little Royals Weekly won't won't kill you. Uh, but we are glad to be back. I'm glad to be back. That's really, it's love talking about the Royals. Mike, are you ready to talk a little bit about the Royals as they stand today?
0: I am excited to get back into it.
1: All right, let's talk about roster news first then. In roster news, it may sound weird, but we have actually never got a chance to talk about the Whitmerryfield trade. We recorded our last episode right before the day before Whitmerryfield was traded. He got traded. And then two weeks went by and we haven't had an episode since then. So, Mike, let's talk a little bit about the Whitmerryfield trade. We're a little late, but hey, we've we've been late to everything in our lives. And so we're going to talk a little bit about that trade. He went to the Blue Jays in exchange for Samad Taylor and Max Castillo. Samad Taylor is kind of a second baseman, utility player, good athlete, quick, more pop than it looks like. He looks like a skinny guy who wouldn't hit with any power at all. He actually has a surprising amount of pop to his bat. He's hitting 763 as an OPS in AAA in 2022 Though he's hurt right now. Kind of a candidate for um, if Drew Saylor and that team can can turn his bat around, can help him unlock some power, then it looks like a really good piece for the Royals. Max Castillo, the other piece of the trade, is a right handed pitcher who's already got some big league time. He's pitched a few innings for the Blue Jays before he came uh, to the Royals organization. A decent fastball, a good changeup. The slider is kind of uh, uncertain. Nobody really knows exactly how good that pitch can be. Opinions vary on that. Right now, he's in AAA, starting, I think, for the moment uh, down there. He has really done some relief pitching as well, but we'll see uh, how those two guys end up. I'm excited. Uh, for, for both in terms of their return. Mike, what do you think of the return that the Royals got for Whit Field?
0: Well, I'm really, I'm really high on Castillo. Um, from what I heard in, in Toronto, he was relieving, and then they had him start a little bit, and that was kind of the reason that they sent him back down was because they were trying to stretch him out so he could come up and be a starter. And so I'm excited. You know, his fastball is not an elite pitch or anything like that, but the changeup is a next-level pitch. I really like the way that he throws. I think he's got still potential as he's still pretty young as well. So I'm excited about Castillo as maybe the best. Gosh, other than maybe drew waters at the 35th pick that came kind of early on. I think Castillo is probably the best prospect that we got at the trade deadline. And there's some other guys that I think are very interesting. I think Rooker is pretty interesting as well. The guy we got for cam Gallagher, but, um, I really do like Max Castillo, and I think he's got a future in this rotation. If you take maybe if you can get his fastball to play up just a little bit, I think, I think you have a guy that can be a permanent fixture of a rotation.
1: Yeah, maybe you turn his slider into something that's 55 grade or, or even major league average. I'm not exactly sure where it is. I've, I've looked at some film of him, and I, I can't really tell you even where I sit on his slider at this point. But if he can come with a three pitch mix that includes a fastball that's probably average right now. And a slider that's probably just above average, or not a slider, a changeup that's just above average. If he can get that three pitch mix to all be average or better and keep good command, yeah, he could certainly find a place in this rotation. This rotation's got a lot of back end starter types, and that's kind of what he is. And so he's really gonna be fighting guys like John Heasley, Chris Bubich you know, and that group, maybe Drew Parrish in a, in a year or so, he's going to be fighting a lot of Zerpa. guys for Zerpa. Yeah. For back-end jobs. So they should have that pretty much filled out. It's the front of their rotation where they got a little few question marks, but in Castillo certainly isn't going to be that, but at the very least he's a swing man for you. He's depth in the starting rotation and they're going to need that moving forward because whether or not you have five good starting pitchers, you're going to need eight or nine. And so it's good to have him in the organization you're good to see a guy who's pitched a little bit at the major league level. He is their only advanced arm that they got. And so it's good to still see at least one. And he's still relatively young. I think he's only 23, maybe 24. I think just 23. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, a lot of uh, opportunity to develop him as well. I think overall, I, I'd like to sort of reflect on the trade deadline as a whole and talk a little bit about how we feel about the trade deadline going down. We talked a lot leading up to it about what we wanted from the team. We wanted them to trade Whit Merrifield, Michael A. Taylor and Andrew Benintendi. They traded two of them. Uh, Mike, what grade would you give the Royals trade, trade deadline as a whole?
0: So I gave it a C plus, but let's remember what we said. They had to trade all three for it to be a successful trade deadline. And so I don't feel like it was all that successful, but I gave them a C plus anyway, because, because of honestly what they got from that 35th pick. That was kind of the, the the thing that tipped it a little bit for me. If they don't trade that 35th pick for Drew Waters and Hoffman and CJ Alexander, who looks really good right now, honestly, if you've been yeah, he's what hitting real C.J. well, Alexander's doing in the minors, he's actually doing pretty well, um, who it looked like he was probably just a throw in in that deal. But if they don't get that stuff, this is a failing grade for me. Okay. And that stuff didn't necessarily happen at the deadline, but I think when you look at it as a whole, the stuff they got for that 35th pick, even getting mills back from Seattle for Carlos Santana. And then also the stuff that more of the stuff they did closer to the deadline, which is Castillo and Taylor. And, um, Oh gosh, who'd they get for Ben and
1: That was, um, uh, TJ Sikama and Beck T.J. S- yeah. And mm-hmm. Chandler Champlain. And Beck,
0: yeah. yeah. The the three guys they got from the Yankees for, for Ben and uh, when you look at it as a whole, I'm giving him a C plus partially also because they, they kept Michael A. Taylor, which I don't love, you know, um, but I do like some of the pieces that they got. I think Rooker's kind of interesting, even though he's a little bit more of an older proj- uh, prospect. Um, I, he's always hit in the minors, the limited opportunities out in the majors. He hasn't really hit, but I think he's an interesting right-handed bat when they kind of need some right-handed bats in the system. But no, some of those guys really, I think, are, are things you can dream on. Drew Waters, Castillo, uh, Sycamore, and Beckway are both guys that I think will find the majors some way. Maybe it's as a reliever for for Beckway, but I think they do eventually get to the majors. So C-plus for me, uh, you know, could have been better. Yeah, I'm going to give him a D-plus, and here's why. I was very
1: outspoken. <laughs> about like if they don't trade all three of those guys it is a failing deadline why because i'm not the type of person who lowers the bar so low for the royals just because i know they can't you know they can't clear a high bar you know like our expectations (laughs) as as like fans and commentators for the royals are so low sometimes and i'm like no i'm not gonna lower my expectations for them i gave them a d plus because they didn't trade Michael a Taylor. They didn't do what I said they needed to do in order to make it a, a non failure. So it's a failure. You know, I'm not lowering the bar for them. D- do I like the pieces that g- they got back? Yeah. I like the pieces they got back. I think that's, a, I think I, I like some odd Taylor better than some do. I like the idea of getting I don't a hitter like him either. I like the idea of getting a hitter, uh, that, that drew sailor can work with an athlete, you know, a guy who's Got some versatility defensively, and and is a good athlete. I think is something you always want to bring into this system because you have such good hitting development. But I like Mac, Max Castillo and TJ Sycama, and I think that was pretty good to get those guys. I am a little upset, or a little sort of upsets the wrong word, let down that they didn't get somebody I would consider a really high end pitching prospect. But the thing that really gets me is you needed to trade Michael A Taylor because his value will never be any higher, and you didn't do it. That was a that's a that's a three foot putt you missed in my mind. And so, no, I'm not giving you a passing grade just because you got some good pieces. And they are good pieces. I don't want people to think that they're not. There are some good pieces. There's good value in some of these trades. But you had a very obvious trade deadline in in front of you. You had Michael A. Taylor, Benintendi, and Merrifield, and you couldn't get it done. You couldn't just cross that very low bar. And so, I'm sorry, it's a deep loss. I'm glad they traded Gallagher. I like Rooker, but I wanted to see... Michael A. Taylor gone, and I would have been happy to see a bullpen guy gone too.
0: Two other things here about the trade line that were deadline that were a little disappointing. One, when we saw all the value that guys were getting or teams were getting back for marginal sometimes bullpen arms, mm-hmm. and we didn't get rid of Barlow or Stalmont or Clark or any of these guys that may or even Amir Garrett, who's not gonna bring back a whole lot, but you know, we didn't get rid of any of those bullpen arms that seems like you could have gotten a pretty decent prospect for that hurts a little bit. And then the other thing is when we traded Andrew Benintendi to the Yankees, there was a lot of talk and you even said this, uh, this is a, this is a, in your face, this is a face Mark. Okay. You said, Oh, well, a lot of team times teams just don't want to give up those higher rated pitching prospects. And it looked like that. Mm -hmm. It looked like, okay, they got three guys instead of a higher rated guy. Then the Yankees turn around and trade away those higher rated guys for bullpen arms. It's like, Wait, we obviously, it's obvious they weren't like, oh, we're not getting rid of those guys. They got rid of them immediately. So why weren't we going for some of that premier talent instead of getting a plethora of guys, which even if they make the major league level, can never be the four war a year kind of guy, you know? Yeah. Um, That was a little, both those things were a little disappointing to me is we didn't get rid of a bullpen arm in what seemed like a hot bullpen market. We didn't get any of that elite level pitching talent when they were the Yankees, at least were willing to get rid of it. We saw, them. yeah, that's so,
1: that's probably a, a little bit of a disappointment there. I thought the Yankee, I thought teams teams in my mind just don't give that stuff up. I'm shocked that the Yankees were willing to give that up for a bullpen arm. Honestly, like um, it, it just doesn't make a lot of sense to me. But if they were doing it, the Royals should have been in on that because that's value out there to be had, especially for a thing that your system just does not have right now. You don't have elite pitching prospects in the Royal system right now. Asa Lacy, unless he can regain a lot of his value is no longer an elite pitching prospect. He's and so they don't back. have any, right. Maybe, maybe no. Ben kaderno but he's so far away. And, you know, Frank Mazzucato is so far away. And so, you know, th- they could use some more advanced elite pitching prospects. They didn't get any at this trade deadline. That doesn't mean it was, you know, a complete bust. I don't want people to think that we're just like dogging on the trade deadline and we don't like anything that, you know, JJ Piccolo and Dayton Moore do. No, I think it was, I think they got good value. I think they made some good trades. I just wish that they had gone the whole way, done everything they should have done and traded Michael A. Taylor and maybe traded some bullpen arms in there too. That's all I'm saying. They did do a few other things roster wise this week. John Heasley went down and then came back up or actually he came up and then went back down, made one start, went back down. Uh, Brent Rooker, Mike mentioned him earlier. He was brought up and made his Royals debut. They got him in the Cam Gallagher trade. He went two for three in his first um, in his first uh, game back, so that was good. Um, or in his in his in his major league de- or not his major league debut, his Royals debut. Um, Mike just changed something on our rundown, so that threw me there for a second. Uh, <laughs> Throwing curveballs, maybe. Yeah, Rooker uh, Rooker contributed to a week that was pretty solid for the Royals this week. They went four and three. That brings their overall record to 48 and 68. I keep looking. Every time I look at their overall record, they're exactly 20 games
0: under 500. It never changes. <laughs> is that it's like, wild? They I mean, are exactly like, 20 games under 500. Thing. When they started playing decent baseball, they were 20 games under They were 20 games under 500. They've been 500 <laughs> since they since then.
1: That the, 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 the record's just going nowhere, right? Here and comes you, a 72 and like, a 92 they played pretty well,
0: played pretty well lately. What's that record looking like? 20 games under 500. 20
1: games under 500. <laughs> it's just like it's always Boy. it is as it will always be. Um so exactly. yeah that's what's wild for them but you know they have been playing better lately. Uh, they took 3 yeah. of 4 from the White Sox. That was a great series for the Royals. They looked really good in that series. Uh, the White Sox. <laughs> I'm sorry. The white Sox uh, They white Soxed it. They just just it's Ugh. it's I shouldn't feel so, you know, giddy at their but th- they have Tony LaRusso who I do not like and they're a rival and they're just not any good right now. Um, but anyway, I'll tell you the what, Royals break them up
0: and we'll take some of them.
1: <laughs> yeah, we'll take some. I'll take Lewis Roberts. I'll take him. Yeah. If you guys don't want him, I'll take uh who's that? Copac. We'll take Copac. Um, yeah. So they took three or four from the white Sox. then came in a juggernaut. The best team in baseball, the, the Los Angeles Dodgers. They were on a 12 game winning streak when they rolled into Kansas city. I think. Uh, and then, uh, I think, yeah, t- yeah, I think it was a 10 game two. when they rolled in or oh, 10 game. Okay.
0: Uh, I think they did get to 12. We stopped at a yeah, 12. Or Cause they that.
1: did take the first two games, right? The first one was the Royals were competitive in it. Daniel Lynch pitched a good, pretty good game battled through five innings. The second game was a complete blowout. Brad Keller just came out and crapped the bed. Looked like, you know, just one of his really bad starts. And then the, this game, Brady Singer, uh, this last game played today, Brady Singer spun, spun a gem and they were able to get at least one win from that Dodger series, which is great. Um, you have a week like that, you go four and three you're going to have some good performances. Mike, tell us about who really helped carry the Royals to a winning week this week.
0: Well, okay. So this is the nickname that I think we're settling on now. We're starting to settle <laughs> on as a Royals fandom. Pasquatch. I right? don't like it. I Vinny, don't like pa- it. Vinny Pasquantino is Pasquatch. It's great because it's not really all that derivative. You know, Italian it's breakfast not... is very derivative. We already Man. had a country breakfast, you know, Italian nightmare. We already had the Nigerian nightmare in this town. Like, mm. No, Pasquatch I think is is okay. I think that's okay. It's it's
1: it's um, 50 grade at
0: best. I'm just not I'm Oh, not get out of it. here. I'm I'm taking it. I'll, I'll I it's good enough for me. So, right, Vinny fine. Pasquantino is my strong performer. Uh guy has been hitting the ball really hard. He just hasn't had a whole lot of luck go his way. Well, this week it really started going his way. 10 for 22 or 10 for, 10 out of 22 with a double, four home runs, 6 RBI and two walks to one strikeout. OK, um, in that White Sox series, especially, it was unbelievable. He hit three out of the four games he had a home run. And so watching him and he hit another one today, uh, just it's been really good to see him finally get some results from all the hard contact that he's making.
1: And right. We said that this was going to happen. We said, you know, the process is good. The results aren't right now. But this is what you're going to get from Pasquantino. He's going to have weeks like this. He's going to be a, a hitter that's going to strike out only roughly as much as he walks. He's going to put the ball over the fence. Now, his swing plane creates some more line drivey. It's almost it's almost like a line drivey swing. Uh, you almost wouldn't expect it from a power hitter like him, but he is going to hit quite a few balls out. So great to see. H- yeah, him. He's going to hit a really... lot of balls off the wall. Yeah, he's going to hit a lot you know? of balls off the wall, too. Yeah, like, like that's the kind of guy he's going to be. Some of those are going to get over and some of them are going to go off the wall because it's a real line drivey swing. Kind of, almost, almost. Uh, it's got enough plane to hit the ball out and hit it off the ground, which is good. Um, so great to see that from him. Happy for him because I know it must be tough when you're, when you're constantly hitting balls hard, right at guys or on the ground or something like that. He carried the offense. The defense was carried by one Bradley singer. His name's not Bradley. It's Brady. Um, but <laughs> Brady just doesn't sound like distinguished enough. It's not regal like, enough. I know one Brady singer, the third I'm giving him a th- the mm-hmm. third. Um, no, He pitched like he was of the third today, uh, and he pitched really well this week. He got two starts this week. He went 13 and a third innings pitched, gave up only six hits, only one run in those 13 and a third, 13 strikeouts and only one walk. I I love that. That's not correct because he walked somebody today or he walked a few guys today. I don't know where I got that number from. Um, Yeah, three walks. Sorry. Uh, <laughs> three walks in those 13 innings boy it takes uh, a week off and just I know and I'm just it's rust to shit it's rusted because <laughs> I've never made a fact error on this on this podcast before I'm all about the facts I'm all about the facts um, but no it, one way or the other whether you slice it three walks or one walk Brady Singer shoved this week and it's coming to the point where like you actually feel really good about their chances to win games in his starts where you're like man I feel like Brady Singer's probably going to give us a really good start. And we have a really good chance to win even against the Dodgers today. It was like, today is our chance to really grab a win in this series Mm -hmm. because Singer could come out. We saw him shut down the Yankees earlier in the year. We saw him shut down the Dodgers today. He can do that sort of thing. Right. And that's how he looked so good today in and out with that two seamer slider was keeping guys off balance all day. It was amazing. Great to see from him. And he looks like, yeah, yeah, you mentioned it the last time we had an episode. He's the foundation around which you build a starting rotation. So yeah, I think, I think that's the case
0: now still only threw six changeups today. Okay. I love that. But, but you know, you and I, I think are both of the idea that he should be in that 10% to 15% range, which in case you're wondering, and if you throw a hundred pitches is about 10 changeups or 15 changeups, right? That's, that's not bad. He threw six today and six is the most he's thrown in a few starts. Yeah. And... So, uh, you know, I would like to see that go up and I think, I think it will, I think over the off season, he's going to get more confident in that pitch as he works with it. And now that he's thrown it in a game, some, I feel like next year you're going to see him start to throw that even more. I do.
1: I think that's true, especially in starts when he feels like his two seamer and slider maybe don't have, like we saw a couple of starts ago, his velocity was down a little bit. He was throwing that two seamer, like 92, 93, instead of 94, 95. And you could tell he, it was he didn't have his real sharp stuff and he mistakenly didn't mix in more changeups, And he got hit for like, I think he gave up like four runs and six Four innings. runs and six. Yeah it, yeah, it wasn't a terrible start, but it wasn't a good one. I think those are the type of starts where you'll start to see him in the future, hopefully anyway, lean more on that changeup. That's when he should really be throwing it more. OK, it's fine if he only throws six of them in days like today when his other two pitches are both on and he's really sharp. But in days when they're not on, it's a good time to go ahead and mix in more change-ups, keep guys off balance with your pitch mix, and then you don't have to have two 60-grade pitches that day. You can just have a couple of 50-grade, three 50-grade pitches instead of two 60-grade pitches, if that makes sense. So yeah, he, play, he pitched really well today, pitched really well this week. Hopefully uh, he can lean on that ch- change-up a little bit more on days when he's not super sharp.
0: Yeah, me and Josh Kaiser of Royals Farm Report, we were talking about that exact same thing the other day because he, he kind of brought it up like Singer in his last start, I think he threw like one change up or something crazy, really low. And, you know, he kind of asked the question, does he need a change up? And, and I kind of said, you know, when he's at his absolute best with his command, he might not need one. We saw that before he started throwing it. He one hit the the Indians for when they were the Indians, I think, back in the day through like seven innings without throwing a changeup when Brady singer is absolutely at his best top velocity on the two seamer spotting it the best he can. He may not need a changeup, but it's on those, you know, you're going to have that stuff once every four times or something, you know? So you really need it for those other times. And yeah. I hope in the offseason it takes a step forward and he feels like it becomes a viable option. And this is also very important. And this is why you see older guys do it when he, starts to slow down as far as his arm, when he starts to lose that velocity in his career, he's really going to need it then.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And so, that's going to be, you do you know, want, do you want to pitch until you're term. 35 Brady singer? Then you better learn how to throw that change up more consistently <laughs> and more frequently because I mean, look at Zach Greinke right now. He throws four or five pitches and it's, it's the fact that he throws four or five distinct pitches. That's really keeping him uh, relevant in, in, as a starting pitcher, despite the fact that he only throws 90 now. And so, Yeah, I hope that he uh, he works on that eventually, uh, but he's doing great right now. So keep it rolling, Singer, because right now you're Mm -hmm. our stopper. You're our you're our um, number one. Really, you're our ace. And so a guy who's not really our ace in the lineup is a guy you're going to talk about next, Mike. He had a pretty weak performance this week and has really not played well since the all star break.
0: Yeah, Hunter Dozier has struggled. They've talked about it a little bit on the broadcast. Three for 18 this week with zero RBI, zero extra base hits eight strikeouts to only one walk that hurts. Okay. So, exactly. and this is another thing that I talked about and I can't remember who I talked about it with on Twitter with you. Let me, you let me run the Twitter account. So I did a lot more. Oh, Twitter never made inter- a big, the biggest mistake <laughs> of my <laughs> life, a lot more Twitter interacting than I normally do. Um, but I talked with somebody about, uh, what his role should be moving, moving forward. it might've been, um, Kevin Roy, uh, Royal, uh, Kev, uh, whatever, whatever his yeah, name yeah. is. Good yeah, guy, yeah. smart to talk. Royals reporter. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Royals report. Uh, And so we, I I basically put out there that hey, listen, I would love to see the Royals are not going to be able to get rid of Hunter Dozier. Okay, they're not going to be able to trade him or anything like that, and they're not they wouldn't in any way because they just like him too much. Um, And so I think moving forward, if he takes Ryan O'Hearn's spot, I think there's some positivity to that, and not just like a hey only pinch hit thing. I'm saying he takes his roster spot and O'Hearn leaves. And then oh, I was going to say Rohern hasn't played in like two weeks. So you're basically saying like, we just that? never play Hunter oh, no, Dozier. No. I'm not talking about never <laughs> playing Hunter Dozier, but I think he becomes a guy that plays once or twice a week and he's so much more versatile than Ryan O'Hearn is. And he's right-handed and that's going to be where the Royals need bats. They're going to need right-handed bats moving forward, not left-handed bats. And so I would say, Hey, he's a guy who can play third base and first base and right field and left field in a pinch. So he is now that bench, that pinch hitting option that we let play once a week or twice a week. And that's it. And and you're OK with that, because, yes, he makes a lot of money for the Royals, but you're never going to be able to get rid of him anyway. So he's just that guy now.
1: They're going to have to eat that contract. It's just there's nothing to there. Nobody wants him. There's nothing to do there. Um, now you just sort of have to find a way to get as much value as you can out of it. And live think that's a little bit. I think it is too. And those, honestly. And those
0: like, one day a week is against a lefty, you know, right. That's, Don't be
1: surprised. Mm-hmm. I mean, s- some guys can't really do it that way. Some guys have to play all the time to keep their timing and then that sort of stuff. But if he can find a way to be successful as a once a week, maybe at the most twice a week player, then you could actually s- Imagine a future where Hunter Dozier has an OPS over 800 because he's only facing lefties and you know only plays once to twice a week. I can imagine that future. Uh, that's possible. You know, pinch hitter here and there, filling in when guys are hurt at different spots. But he's not a guy you want to play every day. He's not a guy you want having to count on. Not good enough to be a DH. Not can't and then can't field. I mean, he's just he's just not that guy. So. Put him on your bench. Let him be your bench bat. If he's a good character guy, great. Have him be a leader in the clubhouse in some way. But uh, you just really can't afford to play him every day on a team you're hoping will be competitive.
0: You know, it just popped in my head when I just really wasn't paying attention to what you're saying. <laughs> That's when usually what's batting happening. gloves. When he buys batting gloves, does he have to buy both of them? <laughs> or can Why? He just get the left hand. Oh, because he only has one. one. <laughs> <laughs> why so is it buying batting gloves and then throwing one away? If
1: you're ever like, wondering why Mike says stuff that has nothing to do with what we're talking about, it's because he's not paying attention when I'm saying it. This is the classic marks of a psychopath when it's somebody who doesn't yeah, listen yeah, can't just like connect.
0: Just, it just pops into my head like, sure, does he just get one left handed batting glove because he's a professional baseball player? I'm sure he does whatever they want. Yeah, it's like, Or is he out there like, I got to buy my batting gloves. He's oh, not. banned, but I'm buying no. two, and I'm only using them, throwing the other one away.
1: Hunter Dozier's like, not running down to Dick Sporting Goods for batting gloves, okay? That's I don't just know
0: what he does. Uh, anyway. Is it? Okay, but they make them in sets, right? I don't <laughs> know. All right, whatever. <laughs> whatever. We're moving on. We're moving, moving on. on. We're moving on. Moving on. Uh, I'm moving on to my week performer. He's basically the
1: pitching version of, of the Hunter Dozier. Nah, he's probably a little more valuable than that. But Brad Keller had a pretty poor week this week a pretty rough week this week Uh, really just yesterday he only made one start this week but yesterday he went three innings in that second Dodgers game gave up nine hits eight earned runs in those three innings three home runs three walks and three strikeouts I think seven guys hit before they got one out yesterday
0: in that first inning and so it was oh yeah I, I turned it on 20 minutes late we the were game, down five. The night. game was already over at that point.
1: <laughs> and so, yeah, it was one of those ones where it's like the first inning happens and you're like, well, uh, Knight just got freed up. What am I going to do? Play some Legend of Zelda? You know, like uh, and so, yeah, he he took him out of the game in that first inning. Fastballs right down Broadway. A lot of them. And uh, they did exactly what you would imagine the Dodgers, the best team in baseball, would do with those. They took him out of the yard. And so he's just one of those guys, man. He's, he's a guy who his overall numbers are going to look like major league average, basically most of the time, but you know, there's more in there. You know, if he could develop a third pitch that was decent, he would be a better pitcher. You know, that if he could command his fastball better, he would be a better pitcher, but he's just not there. And I don't know why they're not ensuring that he develops that pitch. I don't know. I'm sure they're working on him with working on his command with him a lot, but he, he's another guy like singer. I don't know why we've never talked about this before, but Brad Keller has basically two pitches. They say he has three because they draw a distinction between his four seam fastball and his sinker. Doesn't really matter because his sinker at this point is so bad; it's not even a major. Well, that's pitch. the thing. Like
0: neither one of those pitches is very good. Get enough movement no. that they have a whole lot of value. No, they're like, not. His sinker doesn't run enough horizontally to have value. His fast four seam fastball doesn't ride enough or doesn't carry enough to have elite movement or to to be anything like average or above average. Yeah. So really you're not really even throwing fastballs. Okay. <laughs> no. Then what do you have that, that, that is, that is a better pitch. Okay. Your slider. Yeah. His slider's slightly above average, but you can't carry an entire starting pitcher on a slightly above average no. pitch.
1: And occasionally he commands his four seamer well enough that it, it can be okay, but he has to have good command with that every time because it's not a swing and miss pitch. And so I don't know why they've never said, Hey Keller, let's work on another pitch for you. Uh, that changeup. He has a changeup. Technically, I think he throws it less than 5% of the time. It goes pretty hard. It's like 90 mile an hour as a changeup. And so he needs to either be refining that or coming up. I'd I'd be interested to see him throw like a split finger or to work on something like that. I think that'd be an interesting thing for him or a cutter. I think that might be interesting. He needs to do something because right now the arm talent does not match the results from him. And so get on something because he's better than he has the potential to be better than major league average. And right now he's only ever going to be major league average at best. If he keeps going the way he's going.
0: Yeah. And it sucks kind of for him. Cause he's in a spot where he's a back of the rotation kind of guy, but you can't settle on back of the rotation kind of guys that are going to be out in two innings. Yeah. Every third start, you know, that's not what you're looking for in a back yeah. of the rotation kind of guy. You're looking for a guy who's going to go five every time. Like, yeah, it, he just doesn't, those explosions kill bullpens. They, they, They really hurt teams more than just losing that day.
1: Yeah. And the thing is, if you're overall numbers wise, he could end up looking similar to a guy like John Heasley, but you'd go with the John Heasley because Heasley's going to give you a five. Maybe he'll give up four runs every time out, but you'd rather have a guy like Heasley who's not going to walk everybody, who's not going to destroy your bullpen because he's out after the first two innings, that sort of thing, because honestly, they're more reliable. You know what you're going to get from him. And so... Yeah, I, I think Keller has the potential, and I think if he leaves uh, uh, the Royals, then he'll end up probably maybe getting better with somebody else. But I'd like to see the Royals turn him into something. He doesn't have that much longer until he hits free agency. And so maybe they get one more good year out of him, and then bye-bye, he's gone. So we'll t- we'll see. I hope he bounces back. I hope he plays well. But he did not play well yesterday. I'll tell you that right now. Um, which is interesting, because I actually thought up my theme of the week yesterday when I watched the Royals get trounced by the Dodgers. And the theme was there's still a long way to go, you know, like uh, we're happy with how the young guys have played their 500 baseball uh, for their stretch of since basically the all star game. But when you watch that Dodgers series, when you see the team that is at the peak of the mountain, you realize that the Royals are still a significant distance from that peak because they're making mistakes. The Dodgers never dream of making. They got pitchers out there doing so much more stuff like they got like Tyler Anderson went out there today and pitched he is basically Chris Bubich only with way better command and a better pitch mix. And you're like, well, what if the Royals had, were smart enough to give Bubich this pitch mix, mix and fix his command? Like you just see like organizationally, they are up here and the Royals are down here. There's like, here's where the Royals are. Here's where we want the Royals to get in the next year. And here's where the Dodgers are, right? <laughs> There's still yeah. a couple of levels away above where the Royals are right now. And so it was great to see a good team like that. And hopefully the Royals look at that and say, Hey, that's ultimately where we want to be, but we got a ways to go because I think ultimately they still do have a ways to go.
0: Yeah. And it really starts with their pitching. And that's my theme when starting pitching is competitive. So are we, Yeah, right? So we saw this week, some really good examples of competitive starting pitching from Daniel Lynch and, and Brady singer and Boobich. And, and I'm not saying, you know, nails starting pitching. I'm just talking about competitive. Yesterday was non-competitive from Brad Keller. And so we had no chance. So when when that starting pitching is competitive with the offense that we've kind of cultivated, the young guys, and there are going to be days when those young guys struggle as a group, but we can still scratch three, four, five runs across because they're a little faster, they're a little more athletic. They were able to get this, and then you know one guy hit one out. Vinnie, you know that that game we won four to two against uh, the White Sox, our offense didn't actually do great that whole day. But we were able to get a guy on here, hit a home run, a guy on there, hit a home run, and bam, we score four runs. And so it, it, when the pitching becomes competitive, and like it even really has been, overall, for the last month, it has been a lot more competitive. But that's why watching the Royals has become much more fun. And so uh, just keep with some competitive pitching. We're going to talk a little bit more about how it can get better later. It's really, really,
1: really important that you subscribe, rate, and review this podcast on whatever platform you use. I mean, right now, like literally pause it, go into your little app thing or whatever, go onto YouTube, subscribe, rate, and review us. We haven't gotten a review in like three weeks, four weeks, a month. I'm not exactly sure how long, but we want those reviews. We love them. We love hearing from you. And that's how you talk to us through the reviews. So go ahead and review us, subscribe, rate on whatever platform you can. Plus, Mike gets all of his subscriber numbers or his self-esteem from those subscriber numbers and those reviews. He just loves it. It makes him feel so warm and fuzzy inside. It gives him the warm and fuzzies.
0: I keep a chart.
1: He keeps a chart. And Little he,
0: stickers. Gives
1: himself a gold star every time we get a review. So go ahead and give him a review so the boy can feel good about himself again. It's It's sad over here. Anyway, it's very free to subscribe, to rate, to review. We give this freely to you and it only takes you a second. So just go ahead and do it and we'll feel really good. That'll help us out a lot. Also, make sure to follow us on all the social medias, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, all those. We post a ton of additional content and analysis. We live-tweet a lot of games and stuff, throw out a a few jokes here and there. It's a lot of fun. So go ahead and follow us on those. Stay connected. We we, will form a little community here. It'll be nice. Since the last episode that we did, the Royals have become a new-ish team. Right. Michael Massey and Kyle Isbell and Nate Eaton, they play regularly now. Ryan O'Hearn hasn't sniffed the field in a couple of weeks, which begs the question why he's still on the roster, honestly. But we'll come back to that later. Uh, Brady Singer, Chris Bubish, and Daniel Lynch are pitching like they belong in the major leagues, which is nice. Uh, it's clear that the Royals have turned a page, which is good. I think it's useful sort of to stop in this moment and talk a little bit about what we've seen from the new look Royals and what we hope to see from them for the rest of the season. Mike, what's been the most compelling development to you of this new look Royals
0: team? For me, the the fun young offense is the most compelling, though I don't believe it is the most important. Right, I think what develop what happens and what develops with their pitching is the most important thing. That will be what leads them to winning baseball. But boy, is it is it not fun to watch Vinny Pasquantino or Nick Prado taking at bat? Or watch Bobby Witt Jr. on the bases or Nate Eaton. Every time Nate Eaton steps up there, I'm like, ooh, something crazy. Something's <laughs> going to happen. Like, And he strikes out. But I'm like, and that he, was still so fun. That was still so like, fun. <laughs> uh, and, and watching him in the fields, fantastic as well. Like, just watching these guys. Massey getting up there and like, yep, I'll get another hit. There you go. There's one. Like, you know, just watching these guys is extremely compelling the young guys and Salvi has, you know, found a little bit of a power surge as well. He's starting to look like the hitter that we, we wanted him to be again. And so, yeah, the offense has been extremely compelling. Although I don't know that that's necessarily as important as what the pitching has done.
1: Yeah. You mentioned the pitching and that's the thing to me that actually is the most compelling because I'm, I w I, was, i I'm, I was a little bit less sure. I I was confident that the offense would come around when these young guys made it up, right? When Michael Massey came up, when Nick Prado and Vinny Pasquantino came up, I thought, okay, the offense will be solid. I wasn't so sure that the starting pitching would ever turn around, and some of that is starting to turn around. So Daniel Lynch and Chris Bubich are the two that I'm like, I think we kind of knew that Singer had this in him. I was not 100% sure that Lynch and Bubich had it in them to turn it around to become solid major league starters, but that's what they've done over the course of the last roughly 10 starts for each of them. I mean, they've really been more consistent the last few weeks, and that's really something that I think is much more important and is, you know, it makes the game a lot more watchable when you know that they're not going to be out of it in the first or second inning. And Lynch and Bubic are actually providing that for them. I've been especially surprised by Bubic and sort of the, I, I just wasn't sold on his his turnaround early on because the numbers, the secondary numbers didn't look so great, but he has really found his command and found his ability to miss bats a little bit more. And it's really leading to more success. Yeah.
0: Do you think he has thrown a little bit harder at times in the last three or four starts? Do you think that is one of the reasons we've seen better results and Second question here, because I don't remember if I was talking about this on Twitter with somebody or if I wanted to and was just like, I don't want to tweet right that much. But I feel like if he's the kind of guy who because he'll hum it in there at ninety four or ninety five on that fastball, which if he can command that that's a game changer for him. But if he can only do it for five innings, I'm okay with that. Yeah. Like, give me that stuff for five innings. We'll pull you and then. That'll be okay. If that's the pitcher that you are, that's fine. Well, I think what he's he's learned to do is that when he
1: needs a little extra velocity, when he needs to blow a ball by somebody, he he goes for his fastball that can go 94, 95. I think that's what you're seeing from him occasionally now, which is great. I don't think that's necessarily the reason for his newfound success. I think his command has gotten a, a little bit better and that's helping him a lot. I think especially his command with the secondary pitches, because- some of his problem before wasn't just that he would walk people. It's that he would walk people and then he would hang a change up right over the middle of the plate and they would clock it out of the ballpark. And that was really killing him early on. Look at his home run numbers early on in the season. They're terrible. He got rocked out of the ballpark. He's keeping the ball in the ballpark and that's really helping him a lot. I think it's a command issue mostly, but it does help that sometimes he can rear back and throw it 94, 95, get a fastball by somebody up in the zone, and then he he really throws them off and sets up his change up in his curveball a lot better. I do think in the offseason, he should incorporate that slider that he was working on and maybe become a four pitch pitcher and he could have maybe even more success. But for right now, Daniel Lynch and Chris Bubich emerging a little bit here towards the end of the season is a big, big development for me and a, and a really compelling aspect of this new Royals team. You mentioned that people are really excited about what the lineup is doing. They've been essentially average. If you look at their stats, a lot of their stats, especially their overall stats, have been about league average. They're like right in the middle of the league um, over the course of the last few weeks. Mike, what's your assessment of the lineup as it's currently constructed, in terms of its ability, is it effective? Is is this the lineup we need to see moving forward? What do you see when you look at the lineup that the Royals have been running out there?
0: Yeah, I think it's very, I think it's very much the lineup that we need to see moving forward. I, I you know, I that's obvious. We've been starting six to seven rookies regularly, which is I think is important. I do think the lineup needs more seasoning. I think as we see guys like Michael Massey and Nate Eaton and Nick Prado. I think Pasquantino's approach will as kind of kept him from experiencing some of these things, but I, I don't think you'll, I think you'll see them not go three games in a row where they touch nothing. And then, Oh, one game where they just go off, you know, I think it'll become more consistent at the more plate appearances. Those guys get moving forward. And that's going to be great because they just need a little bit more time seeing major league pitching. And then and that's what seasons like this are really for the The thing that I think that this also the end of the season here needs to be for figuring out what best ways they platoon together. Right. So is it going to be where you don't want Kyle Isabel hitting lefties or maybe you don't want Nick Prado in every day against a tough lefty? So figure out what the best way for like, I think right now they're figuring out that Nick Prado is a pretty damn good left field fielder. Okay, And so I think you're starting to see them try and play him and left more, which gives Pasquantino more time at first, where he's, I think, adequate. He's not going to be Nick Prado at first, but he's adequate. And that gives them more flexibility in that DH spot with Melendez and and Salvi, who probably need to use that DH spot a little bit more. And so they're starting to figure that stuff out. I want them to figure it out more as they continue to go here. What really sucks is that Olivares is hurt. Yeah. Because you figure that he's probably part of this platoon setup and you just don't know. But I guess Rooker maybe will take that, fill that role. Yeah. I don't know. We'll see. Who knows? I mean,
1: the weird thing about Olivares, we talk about how, like, they don't have a set outfield right now for the future anyway, but they got a lot of options, honestly. Like, Rooker, Melendez, or Prado is going to play out there in some way. Isbell's going to be out there in some way. Eaton's going to be out there in some way. They got a guy named Tyler Gentry who is just destroying double a pitching right now who might factor into it in the future here. And so Olivares becomes kind of like, a he's a bad outfielder. He's not good in the outfield. Do they look to move Mm -hmm. him in the off season? You know, because he can hit. Uh, and so some team's going to want some, guy who can hit. That's a good question. I think to start asking, but I think you're right. Um, I actually think there's still like one or two pieces away in the lineup. Like I'm not entirely sure. Like, I don't think you should be playing Nicky Lopez every day. I don't think he's an everyday player, but right now he basically plays for them every day. And so I don't know what the answer there is because they don't have an answer at third base right now. Uh, unfortunately, they traded Emmanuel Rivera away, who is now crushing in Arizona. Uh, but we'll see on that front uh, who's who their third baseman of the future is going to be. And maybe you're trading all of and some of those for somebody who's going to be your third baseman, or maybe you sign a
0: third baseman. But in some way you have to well, get... We've talked about this too. Like we've kind of talked about this, like we're kind of all writing off that maybe Bobby Witt Jr. is your answer at third base. Maybe okay, and but, and but, maybe it's but then you know but
1: then Nikki Lopez in my mind Nikki Lopez shouldn't be playing shortstop every day either. And but so, maybe it's
0: Garcia is it Garcia Michael Gar maybe it's Michael Garcia at short.
1: I don't know. He's still not there yet. Maybe he, it's, in my mind he's he's still got a year or maybe not a year at least a half a year of development left to do, uh, at minimum. And so, you know, I don't know. That's a big question mark in my mind. Somehow you, the lineup that they ultimately end up with, I think, is not this exact lineup. I think they're still one piece at least away from having the lineup that they really, really want moving forward. But as you mentioned earlier, lineup isn't really going to be the big concern <laughs> moving forward. It's going to be pitching because, you know, the pitching is really the thing that keeps you in ballgames, the thing that, you know, determines whether or not you're actually going to be competitive and successful. The starting rotation has taken a step forward, which is nice, but it's clearly still missing a piece or two. There's been a hot debate online about how they should go about acquiring their next pitchers. Mike, how do you want the Royal to address the rotation moving
0: forward? So I, and when, when this idea kind of came out, come, came up, you know, uh, Alex at Royals Farm Report had kind of hinted and danced around and talked about these things. I'm like now all on board, just stop developing pitching Royals, <laughs> just suck at it, stop doing it. Okay. from now on, we only develop hitters and we pay for all of our pitching. Okay.
1: either in prospect capital or actual capital.
0: Yes, it eliminates the attrition. It eliminates, you know, all that stuff. It's too hard to do anyway. Uh, The unpredictability. We're just going to buy pitching from now on. Um, But no, I really do think that they need to create a list in the offseason of free agent pitchers and they should be in tiers. These are our tier one guys. If we get a guy from tier one, that's the only guy we're getting. Okay. This is a, and the guy I have down on here is Carlos Rodon. He's the guy I, the number one guy I would target. They're not getting Jacob deGrom. That's not happening. They can't even, they can't even afford him if he's the only guy. They They shouldn't want Um, Jacob deGrom at this. The injury history there is too, um, too profile. Well, and Rodon's got plenty in his history that's as That's well. true. I mean, but DeGrom's
1: honest. been hurt this year. I mean, he was hurt this year. And yeah. so mm-hmm. to pay that much for him to me makes less sense, especially if like for a team like the Royals, you can't miss on your 25 to $30 million a year pitcher.
0: Yeah. So I would, I would look at Carlos Rodon as my tier one kind of guy. And then maybe, maybe you don't get anybody else if that's the case. You try and do it with what else everybody else you have. You got Brady Singer. You got Lynch. You got Bubich. You got Zerpa. You've got all these other guys. Heasley, Keller. You fill it in with all that. Okay. If that doesn't work out, we can't get a guy in that tier one. They don't want to come here because they (laughs) got to want to come to Kansas City as well. Right. And we don't want to give them two extra years to come to Kansas City. Stuff like that. I get it. Okay. Then you go to that second tier and you sign two of them. Okay. Okay. Now that second tier is a little tougher because you're still talking about some expensive guys here. Okay. But I like the Chris Bassett, Mike Clevenger, some of those guys that are made. A lot of these guys are in there. Okay. I will, 30s express, solidly. I will give you
1: a peek behind the curtain. He is stealing um, guys off
0: the list that is literally written on my rundown right now. You son of a bitch. Okay. But I, was what are are you going to talk doing? about them anyway? Okay. <laughs> okay. So, all right. Well, I, I didn't throw it. So like Noah Cinder another guy, I would put him in the tier one category. And here's why he's, he's a tier one guy. You might actually be able to get a little cheaper because his numbers aren't great this year, but he's in the first year of recovery from Tommy John next year. He'll be in year two of that recovery. And so you're kind of buying, buying low. It's still going to cost you a fortune to get him, (laughs) but you're buying low and hoping that, okay, we're at least going to get what we got this year and possibly a step forward. And so that's, that's another interesting approach you could take there. Um, But again, he's got, you know, guys got to want to come here. Yeah. So, but you get one or two of that free agent market this year. And I think that sets up pretty nicely. I think so too. Honestly, I, um, somebody, I want to give credit to
1: whoever this is. I think it was David Lesky put out on Twitter the other day that the Royals have about $70 million committed for next year's payroll. Um, That means they have quite a bit of money to work with Um, somewhere probably in the, 30 to $40 million range uh, to work with in free agency. That's a lot. And so they can commit some money, especially to those second tier guys. They can commit t- some money to that. Uh, guys that I'm, uh, this is why I would prefer to them to go do that instead of like trading prospects for them. You have to give so much in prospect capital to get uh, a star- a frontline starting pitcher that it almost seems not worth it. Like they don't have a ton of prospect capital anyway because a lot of their guys that's have graduated great. and they need those guys in their mm-hmm. lineup. And so you can't really, maybe Edward Olivares is a guy you could trade. Maybe I would say Tyler Gentry, but I, I wouldn't want to trade him, right? Like, you know, Lofton. maybe Nick Lofton. I don't think they want to trade him either because that position versatility could come in really handy later. And, and so,
0: and I don't know that other organizations are going to value him as much as we they're do. They're
1: definitely not. So. And so it's going to be tough to put together a prospect package that's really good or that you really want to give up for any sort of starting pitching go out and buy it, right? You can get Nathan Ivaldi, You can get Tyler Anderson, who they face today and is having an amazing year for the Dodgers. Uh, Mike mentioned Chris Bassett, and Mike Clevenger. There's some other guys out there. The tier two and tier three starting pitching market this offseason is going to be pretty deep. And so, you know, go out there, be players in that starting pitching market. You may not want to give them extra years, like a second or third or fourth year, but maybe you give them a couple extra million dollars in the, you know, second, third year, uh, because you want to save some money for Bobby Wood Jr.'s free agent years or whatever, but there's pitching out there to be had on the free agent market.
0: Yeah. And one good thing about doing it that way, the getting maybe two of the tier two or tier three guys, you're, a lot of those guys are, are in their, you know, thirties, pretty solidly. They're 33, they're 34, they're 35. You're not giving them super long contracts, you're not giving them contracts into the years where you're going to do, be doing arb years with Vinny because all those guys, all these guys, Vinny, Nick Prado, Bobby Witt Jr. They're all coming up to arb eligible at the same time. Yeah, and so you, as soon as they hit arbitration eligibility, their their numbers are going to go. You're pretty. You're going to go. Your, pretty, your, pay, gonna go your payroll higher. is going to go just a little bit. Way right? up. it's going to go. Well, yeah. it's going to go a little Let bit
1: up, for, right? Like every year, it's going to go. Well, boom. Until you're paying them a yeah. lot because they're in their last year of arbitration, but all of them are. So it's going to be them, Nate. Yes. It's going to be all of them at the exact same time. And so, yeah, you're right. It is going to get more and more expensive. Uh, so you really want to try and get guys on, I would say, no more than a three or four year deal if you have to do it for the right guy. That was my thinking. Uh, yeah. If you have to do it for the mm-hmm. right guy, maybe you go out and you give him four years. But I'm, I'm down with that. Free agent starting pitching. And besides, you want, you want somebody for more than just next year because- next year, they're still not going to be all that competitive, right? They still got stuff to figure out next year. And so get them on a two to four year contract and, and, you know, get somebody who you think can be a centerpiece of this rotation alongside Brady Singer, maybe even alongside Daniel Lynch, if he takes another step forward and all of a sudden this rotation doesn't look that bad, right? Like if you imagine, just imagine with
0: me, Just, just with a little depth, when you start to think about Zerpa, Right. Easley. Max Castillo. Some of those guys. Drew Parrish. Max Castillo. Those guys. Yeah, absolutely. Hoffman.
1: Hoffman. Right. Yeah. But just imagine with me a little Bowling. bit of a future where like, you know, Nathan Ivaldi is up top of this rotation with or Tyler Anderson or whoever is or Mike Clevenger is on the top of this rotation with Brady Singer. And then your third guy is Daniel Lynch, who's taken a slight step forward. And your fourth guy is Chris Bubich. And your fifth guy is John Heasley, or Brad Keller or whomever. And then you you have depth in, you know, in AAA with Max Castillo and John Zerpa, yeah. Castillo. That's not the worst rotation in the world, right? That's a rotation that can keep you in most games. But the rotation Agreed. isn't the only, <laughs> the only thing that matters pitching wise. And uh, just because they keep you in a game doesn't mean the bullpen is going to allow you to win it. Lately, the Royals bullpen has been uh, sort of a fart noise wrapped in a poop emoji. Like that's, that's how I would describe it. It's like it's just mm-hmm. it's real, mm-hmm. real bad. Uh, re- reliability has been hard to come by in this bullpen. What is your thought on turning it around at looking forward?
0: Cause we need some guys who are going to be more reliable. Honestly, I never think about it. I don't think about turning the bullpen around because it's the last thing you tend to do as a team that's building because bullpens are volatile, but they're also the easiest pieces to come across. And it's like, okay, so I never even think about it. Cause I'm always thinking about the rotation and the lineup and all that stuff. But I'm not too worried, honestly. I I still see the shell of a good bullpen here, with Barlow and Stalmont and Coleman as kind of your bedrock. Stalmont? Now, really, you and I have disag. Well, did you see him the other day? Yeah, did you see him? The he ne- was a like, hundred the other day. See him and be- looked fantastic. Next day, looked like not garbage. So great. Looked like uh, garbage. I know. <laughs> so, but but I I think that he can still be good. And but I you and I have always kind of disagreed about Barlow. I always thought if Scott Barlow was your best bullpen arm, that you needed one more. You needed one more top level guy. So I do think maybe there, that finding some sort of top level guy could really straighten this out. <clears throat> but maybe I've always trusted that the Royals can do that, either organically through their system, taking some starter that hasn't worked out and making him a bullpen arm, and he becomes very good, or a la Wade Davis, or they can go out and find some guy who some other team gave up on a la a Joaquin Soria and make him a really good bullpen arm. So yeah. like, I feel like they can do it. I feel like they've got pieces. I, you know, you got to get a mentality change in that. We our bullpen still walks way too many people. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I, I'm not worried about the bullpen. I'm really not.
1: Honestly, I don't think it's a coincidence that they drafted some guys in this year's draft who nobody thinks they're going to start who were like, who were relievers in college. And so I think some of those guys, they're thinking, these are fast track bullpen arms. We're going to put these guys in minor league baseball. And in a year, they're going to be pitching for us in the major leagues. I honestly think that they're going to be doing some of that stuff uh, with some of the bullpen arms that they drafted in this year's draft.
0: Um, I think you're right. Next year, there are some guys you could, there's some guys you could reach down for in the system. If they have, like, if they were surprisingly competitive next year or something, There are guys you could reach down and put in the bullpen. Yeah.
1: There probably you may not
0: want to, but there are. There's a couple. Beck way, yeah, you know, turn him into a bullpen guy and he's half a year away. Yeah, that's probably true.
1: Um, I do think you're right though. Like, I don't think next year is the year to go out and find the bullpen that's supposed to like carry you through the playoffs or anything. It's the time to go out and find those reclamations, those guys who, you know, you pulled off a scrap heap and turned into good bullpen arms. I think next year's the year to find that because you're right. I mean, look at the, you mentioned a few, Barlow, Stamont, Coleman, but you know, they could, they, I think they still have control of Clark next year. They have Jose Quas, Gabe, Spire. Gabe Spires. I don't know where he is or what he's doing, but he was good for them earlier in the year. I think he's still hurt or I don't know, maybe he ran away somewhere because he didn't want to pitch for the Royals. I'm not exactly sure where he is, but, <laughs> um, <laughs>
0: I actually looked earlier and configured.
1: No clue where Gabe Spire is. I hope his family knows. I hope they know where he is.
0: Um, but you know. I, I was looking earlier, and I it was right before the show, so I just googled Where's Gabe, Gabe Spire, Spire to see if I could find it where, where he went. No clue. People of I where he's in AAA. Weekly
1: Weirdos, if you know where Gabe Spire is, please let us know so we can make sure his family knows. And they're 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 get some peace of mind. But anyway, there's him, Richard Lovelady will come back off UCL uh next year. Uh there's other guys who, you know I'm I'm a fan of Quas, I think he's pitched well. They're just guys yeah. who who look like the shell of a of a good bullpen. I think uh if you don't have if if you go through next year and the bullpen hasn't taken significant steps forward, maybe then you go out and in free agency you start looking for real bullpen arms or you start trading some guys for real bullpen arms or something like that. You can always find bullpen arms. It's really not time to start, start thinking about like, you know, let's get a bullpen right now. The Royals hit the road this week for a trip that includes seven games, three against the Minnesota twins and four in a sparsely attended days in Tampa Bay against the Rays. Mike, tell us about the Minnesota Twins. what, what,
0: I was just laughing because I was wondering: Are there people who accidentally wander into Ray's games? <laughs> like,
1: I was looking for a, a bathroom. Game,
0: uh, <laughs> you guys got a bathroom yeah. in here? Um, yeah, I got scared by the gator outside and <laughs> just walked
1: in. I- <laughs> yeah, so they're going to head to Tampa to play a good baseball team with very few fans. Uh, Mike, tell us about the Minnesota <laughs> Twins who they'll face before they go to Tampa.
0: Well, the Twins are fifty-eight and fifty-five, second in the AL Central. Strong, strong team. Good young core. The first game will be Bubich against Joe Ryan, a 3.95 ERA for Joe Ryan, a 1.13 whip. Joe Ryan is a guy who throws a four-seam fastball, but he didn't throw it very hard, 91, 92-ish. He throws a slider, a curveball, and a change, but 80% of the time, he's throwing fastball slider. And so he does lean pretty heavy on a fastball that doesn't go very hard, but he does have a good slider. It has good. Uh, he's uh, had a good year. I, I too. think that
1: fastball has good secondary numbers. I think it's got like good ride, yeah. and, you know, and stuff like that. So he, he should be mm-hmm. fine.
0: Yeah. Joe Ryan, he does. He does good for them. Here's another guy. I never understood why people didn't like him more. Why he moves teams so much. Granky's going to go against Sonny Gray. I always that, thought Sonny Gray was pretty that's good. That's another guy he's who's on a different team feels like every year. Well, that's another guy who's uh, up uh, in that
1: 2023 free agent class. So a guy the Royals could have next year if they
0: wanted to. Yeah. Okay. Well, he's having a really good year this year. 3.33 ERA, a 1.16 whip. He's got a really interesting pick, pitch mix because he throws like six different pitches. Um, But he throws his sinker the most, but he mixes it up a lot. So the sinker, four-seam fastball, curveball is what he throws the most. The curveball has been his signature pitch since he got into Major League Baseball. Um, throws a really, really good curveball, real downer. Um, his sinker and his fastball go about the same velocity, around 92, but the sinker does have a lot of run to it, and he throws it. You know, He throws all those pitches 20-plus percent, and then he's got like three others that he'll mix in there sparingly. And so that that's a, an interesting guy there in Sonny Gray. Tough matchup for uh, Zach Greinke and the Royals. In the last one, Daniel Lynch will go against I'm gonna Tyler Maul. Is it Maul? Maul sounds right. M-A-H-L-E. Maul? Maul? Sure, Maul sounds uh, like right. 4. 4.40 ERA, 1.25 whip. He's got a real interesting pitch, pitch mix as well. And then he throws a fastball about 93. He throws a splitter, a cutter, and a slider but his fastball has really good numbers. Like guys really don't hit the fastball at all for a pitch that he doesn't throw super, super hard. Um, his cutter and his slider people have been able to hit. So hopefully we can pick those out, but that's why he doesn't throw those nearly as much. So, um, Tyler mall, maybe might be mall, uh, <laughs> Mally.
1: Speaking Mally. of malls, I, I want to tell this mall story. that I told you the other day, Did I told you story. <laughs> I don't think so. I went back in time while I was on vacation I went to a mall in this place I think called Carrollville or Carrollton Iowa I can't remember but you know how malls are kind of dead nowadays you go in there and nobody's in there and Mm. it's like this was the most hopping mall I've ever been into in my
0: life there were it Uh, was packed was there an arcade Uh, was there an Aladdin's was Aladdin's palace there was so
1: much stuff going on in this mall it was all classic mall stuff too like they had the kiosks and the hot topics and all the stuff you would see in a mall okay but there were just tons of people there original pizza it was it was like everybody in this town wanted to be at the mall you know like like it was in the 80s when malls were a a thing you know like and so I went there because there was a mellow mushroom inside this mall (laughs) <laughs> and even the Mellow yeah. Mushroom was like 80s themed. It was almost like the whole thing came out of the season of stranger things that's like set at the mall, you know? Like it was wild yeah. to me. Uh me and my partner were just like, Where are we? Is this like did it, we thought we walked back in time? It was incredible. If you ever get a chance to go there, I think it's Carrollton. It was huge too. The mall was huge. Um, I think it's Carrolltonville or Carrollville or Carrollton. I can't remember. But anyway. Um I digress. Let's talk about the Tampa Bay Rays. <laughs> let's uh let's talk about the Tampa Bay Rays let's not talk about malls let's talk about in weird Iowa towns uh the Tampa Bay Rays are 60 and 53 they're third in the AL East but they do have a hold of a wild card spot right now so they're if the if the season ended today they'd be in the playoffs um the Rays are one of those just like really good fundamentally sound teams that are good all the time despite the fact that they have no money uh they're getting good seasons from Yandy Diaz from G-Man Choi offensively, it's just a real solid lineup up and down. Nobody's standing out. Nobody's going to win the MVP in their lineup. But they got guys who are all, you know, hovering in that 100 to 120 weighted runs, created plus or OPS plus range. So that's good for them. Uh, they pitch very well, the Rays do, mostly because they don't worry about throwing their starters really long. And so they'll throw a guy four innings and then bring in the bullpen. Like, no problem. They love doing that. Um, but they're getting very good seasons from Shane McClanahan. Drew Rasmussen and some others, good bullpen, really good defense. We've played them once before, just a really solid all around team. I think this week is a good test for the Royals. We keep saying that because, you know, but they played the Dodgers who were great. They played the White Sox who aren't so great. They're going to get two not great, but really solid teams this week. We'll end this week's episode like we end every episode with our Just a Bit Outside segment where we talk about something that's interesting to us outside the world of baseball. Mike, you did not go to a mall in Iowa, but I'm sure you did something interesting this week. Tell us about what's interesting outside the world of baseball to you.
0: I actually kind of have two things. One, I want to give a happy birthday shout out to our boy, Nathan Miller. Nathan Miller. Avid listener. Miller. Good friend. He's a weekly weirdo. It's also a test to see if he listens all the way that's to the right, end of the episode. Okay, so if he doesn't text me, Miller, I will know that you did not listen to the end of the episode. But I'm going to talk about a little hit movie called Encanto, or at least I think it was a hit. I don't really know when it came out, but I just discovered it this week. My wife, in an attempt to make me our media consumption more kid friendly, has been trying to show me kids movies, animated movies um, for like, I don't know, a few months now since we had our, our son. And I don't like them very much. <laughs> except for, I did like, I do like Aladdin. We watched, a, we watched Aladdin the other day. Still holds world. up. That holds up.
1: Yeah. That, yeah, but up. the
0: genie. Robin Williams yeah, was, was a genius. genius. Let's just start. Genius. There. Um, also, Almost no, I mean, not almost no, but for Disney, they did a good level of racism. You know, like it was, it wasn't, it was Disney, you know, so. That is to say, that is to say uh,
1: too much. That's still too much.
0: Yeah, too much. Any
1: racism is bad, you
0: know. It's all bad. But for Disney, it was low. (laughs) Um, But no, we watched Encanto the other day. What a friggin' great movie, you know. They did a really good job with Encanto. So if you if you're not a kid person, you're like hey, I don't have any kids, but you like Disney movies or something. Check out Encanto. If you have kids, I assume you've already seen it, but if you haven't, check it out because it is nails. It is my like you know when we were kids, you know Aladdin was a great one. You, you know, everybody liked Aladdin. What are some other good ones from when we were kids? I can't even think. I can't remember. I guess the
1: Lion King did that come yeah, out when we were Lion kids? Lion King came out when we
0: were kids. Yeah. But man, if I were a kid today, I'd be watching Encanto every other day.
1: Have you seen Big Hero 6? No. That's another
0: really good animated movie. You should check is that out. Is it? Really? Yeah. Okay. yeah. You'll like it. Out. You'll like out. it, I promise. We watched uh, We watched another Lilo and Stitch. I wasn't a big yeah, fan of that one. I didn't love that. Uh, Mulan. Not a big fan of Mulan. A lot of racism yeah. in that one, too, of by the racism way. racism in that one. Uh, <laughs> uh, Pocahontas is so, another one with a lot yeah, of
1: racism man. in it, by the way. Um, <laughs> but anyway...
0: I always have to debunk Pocahontas every year at the beginning of (laughs) the school year.
1: I'm talking about something that has nothing to do with the racism of Disney. Uh, I'm talking about this place that I went to in Chicago when I was on vacation. It's called the Globe Pub. So if you're ever in Chicago, you want a cool place to watch, especially soccer. This is a soccer bar in Chicago. When I got to Chicago, I was like, I really want to watch the Chelsea game because it was the opening weekend of the Premier League season. And I'm like, I want to watch the Chelsea game, but the Wi-Fi in my hotel room is garbage. And I don't want to just sit in my hotel room and watch the game. I'm like, let's experience the Chicago soccer scene. And so I'm like, what's a good Chicago soccer bar? I, I asked Google and they said, go to the globe pub. And it is one of the best bars I've ever been to in my life. It was packed full of soccer fans. They had a bunch of different TVs with a bunch of different soccer games going on. And you could tell it's a great sports bar because in the, in the bathroom, there was like TVs, right where the urinals were. So you could like watch te- watch the games mm-hmm. while you're yeah. taking a piss. Brilliant, brilliant. They have really good food there too. <laughs> like insanely good food. Uh, they, they made what, what are those things? Scotch eggs. My partner got some Scotch eggs. I know it was very, uh, very English. Those sound great, to me. You know, like, um. but yeah, good yeah. food, great atmosphere, a thousand different beers on tap. Uh, not that that matters to me, but like it was just a really cool atmosphere to watch the Chelsea game. I highly recommend the Globe Pub in Chicago if you ever get up there. They didn't pay me for this in any way, but I'm just deciding that, hey, let's tell the world about this thing. I'll also be telling the Royals or the world about the Kansas City Royals next week when you come back here and join us for another episode of Royals Weekly after you've subscribed, rated and reviewed us. I'm reading the reviews on the on the episode next week. Go out and give one. Make it awesome. Until then, be good to each other and go Royals.